Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I am calling this one in on my cell phone because, as you probably know, I have had almost zero cell signal or Wi-Fi for the past week. I, of course, am working on a travel channel program about the Brown Mountain Lights. And so, not surprisingly, a lot of my time is being spent way up in the mountains. And so, uh, probably the rest of this month, I'll be uh, leaving podcasts for you whenever I can this way on my telephone. So, you'll know what's going on. I'm just happy I can do this right now. So, it has been an amazing and grueling television shoot. Uh, TV shoots are always exhausting, but being out in, in the woods for, you know, long, long, long days and nights, and uh, me in particular, I don't care how much DEET I spray on, I get eaten up by all these bugs, these little nosediums and stuff, and, uh, you know, it's hot, it's summertime, you're going up and down hills and mountains and sweating carrying stuff and out of breath and trying to talk and doing things over and over and over again and worrying about rain and all that. It's uh, definitely been a tough shoot. But um, I, I tell you who I really feel sorry for, and that's Dean Worsing, because <laughs> Dean uh, has been put in some very, very challenging terrain. And uh, see, the problem is I can't really talk about this TV show. I don't have permission, but I will tell you a couple of things about it. For one thing, yes, the Brown Mountain Lights did appear during the shoot. Now, that blew my mind because uh, and very, very seldom has any type of a professional crew been present when the Brown Mountain Lights have appeared um, because, yes, the Brown Mountain Lights are a well-known phenomenon that has been seen by uh, thousands, maybe millions of people over the years, but um, you just can't predict when they're going to appear. It's very inconsistent, and so, therefore, that is going to make a big impression on, on the show. And um, I believe that this is scheduled to air February of 2020, so we have a, a while to wait before it airs, but... My feeling is, even though I I am not the director or producer on this one, uh, on this particular program, I was there as an expert uh, and uh, a field investigator, my, my sense is that this is going to be a very dramatic and fun show to watch. So as I am given more permission, of course, you'll be told right up front um, as soon as possible what's what's going on. And the show is hosted by a celebrity, and um, we, of course, made great friends. And so when permission is given, then he is going to come on this podcast and let me interview him about his extremely fascinating life. So a lot of cool stuff has come from this. I wish I could just spill my guts and tell you all kinds of crazy, weird stories, but uh, I guess I'll probably have to wait till closer to February before I can do that. I will tell you one little thing, though, that is uh, related to the show, but not a part of the show. So when I first arrived on the scene, 
um, I was with Forrest Connor, who was also on the program. And so the first time I got there, it was just sort of like get into town, get settled in. You know, we don't start shooting till tomorrow morning. So Forrest and I, we had a day to ourselves after I got checked in um, to just sort of go out and enjoy ourselves and explore, which was nice because it was a beautiful, beautiful, sunny, breezy day. And uh, we had just the most wonderful man day ever. We went to a winery right next to a pond with the vineyard on the hill behind and and did a wine tasting. And I told Farth, look, this is, how, this is how you treat a lady when you take her out on a date. You bring her here, you bring her here, then you take her and show her the brown mountain lights. You've sealed the deal. So Forrest and I were running around having this wonderful day. And uh, in the evening, we kind of got lost, to be honest with you, because we didn't have any GPS or, you know, we, 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 neither one of us were very familiar with some of the thick wooded areas that we were driving through. And so for a while there, it looked like mm, maybe we were going to have some issues getting back to civilization. So I'm not going to tell you exactly where we were at this point, because I probably don't even know exactly where we were, really. But at some point, we uh, were never more relieved to find, in the midst of all this, the, uh, well, let me just put it this way. It was kind of a a rustic-themed bar and grill. And so Forrest and I, we were starving, and so we went into this place, and it was just jam-packed with people. You know, they're having a good old time. And so Forrest and I were lucky. We got a couple of ideal spots at the bar, immediately ordered a couple of beers. And you know what? When the, the bartender came over and took our order and then walked away, Forrest looked at me and he goes, geez, that is one tall lady right there. I said, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you know. I mean, I, I, I realized she was tall, but I was kind of looking at the way that, uh, you know, her figure hit the the rows of whiskey on the wall. I said, man, yeah, that's a tall lady right there. Oh, well. <clears throat> so we go back to our menus, you know, and we order our food and everything. And then uh, I hear Farsi, say, Jesus, look how tall that lady is. And I look over, and there's another lady. Now, this one's a lady sitting at the bar over in the corner who just happened to stand up, and holy cow, like her shadow fell across the room. I said, my God, that is a, that is a tall woman. There's some tall women in here tonight. And you've got to realize, you know, I'm six foot two. Forrest is probably six foot three. So, you know, we're not very used to seeing women who are taller than we are. So then, like, five minutes later, I looked across the room. This woman stands up. She has long, reddish-brown hair. I said, my God, that woman could play Chewbacca. Look how tall that woman is. Now this is, this is a phenomenon. We're, we're wondering, is there a basketball team in town? Or, like, what the heck is going on here? We're surrounded by these Amazon women. And so, you know me. I'm Mr. Curious. So I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to say something about it, but I knew that this could come across as being very defensive uh, or, or let me put it very offensive because people can get, you know, defensive when you start saying things about their type, you know, you're typecasting them in a way or stereotyping them or whatever you want to call it. So 
I said to Farce, I was like, you know, I'd like to ask one of these bartenders, maybe not necessarily the tall one, I could be the tall one, but ask one of them, you know, is there an explanation for this? Is there, a, a, you know, a family of giants in town? Is there a basketball team? You know, what's happening? And we, we kind of talked amongst ourselves and we're like, nah, just never forget it. There, there's no good way. There's no, you know, like appropriate, courteous, polite PC way of doing that. But then finally, by the end of the night, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't just turn around and walk out of there without saying something and asking some kind of question. So when the bartender, not the tall one, but another bartender came up to get my check, I pulled on her what I call a Dean Worsing. Okay, this is Dean's strategy. He does this all the time. Whenever I've known Dean Worsing for over 10 years, and he'll just, out of the blue, he'll just be like, hey, let me ask you something. And as soon as you say that, boom, it's like, hit the pause button. Everybody always stops and looks because they want to know what you're going to ask them. And so I said, hey, let me ask you something. She goes, yeah. I said, I know this may be kind of an odd uh, question, but we've noticed that there are a lot of uh, extremely tall people in here tonight. And uh, do you think maybe there's a, is there a basketball team or something coming through? Now, notice what I did there. I said people. I, didn't, I, I think that was the key, the crux of me asking this question uh, politely because I didn't single out a particular type of person. I just said there are people. There are tall people in here. And she kind of chuckled, and she said, no, uh, I don't know. She goes, I've you know, never really thought about it before. And as a matter of fact, she herself was kind of on the short side. And so I've, I've noticed that a lot of times – People who are tall notice really tall people much more than people who are kind of short notice tall people because if you're short, everybody kind of looks tall. You don't really think that much of it. Your your gauge is a little off. But if you're already tall, well, then you kind of notice it when you see somebody who appears to be taller than you, like all of these women. So <clears throat> she didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, fine. So anyway, we left there. Uh, when we finally found our way back to uh, kind of our base camp, turns out they had hired a lady to work there who was a local. She'd lived there her whole life. I uh, struck up a conversation with her, and I said, hey, let me ask you something. And I gave her the Dean Worsing. I said, we were at this, this grill, this bar and grill, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any explanation for why there were so many tall women there? And she said, no. No, she says, that's a funny observation, but I, she says, I've never, never even thought about that. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I guess it was just some kind of quirky, you know, part of the atmosphere. That, but then I think, you know what, I'm going to do some research because I thought I could connect two and two. And sure enough, this area in the dense wilderness is one of those places where the Native Americans claimed that the red-haired giants lived who were related to Judicala, Sukalu. He was a fearsome red-headed giant. And they say that he lived in a cave and he had his hunting territory. And that territory was marked by this weird rock that's there to this day, uh, covered in all these bizarre petroglyphs called Judicala Rock. If you've never seen that before, 
go to uh, judacolorrock.com. It's spelled J-U-D-A-C-U-L-L-A, J-U-D-A-C-U-L-L-A, judacolorrock.com. I actually own that website. I bought it many years ago when we were doing a lot of research up there. And you can see this stone. And, yes, so so these Native Americans, they talked about, you know, certainly the Cherokee, but not just the Cherokee. There were other Indians around here who talked about the red-headed giants and especially being around that particular area. So is it possible that if we did some kind of uh, a, a genetic test or whatever, we would find some interesting, you know, pocket of giant genes that are still there in that isolated area, it's possible. It's certainly possible. But, again, possibly a delicate subject that you have to be kind of careful with. Well, you know, even there in Nevada, uh, there are stories of red-headed giants. We talk about it usually in the Creepy Vegas Ghost and UFO show, which, of course, we do every Saturday night. We talk about the giants at the Lovelock Cave, which is in the northern part of Nevada, and the story was that you had these, you know, again, like seven, eight-foot-tall, red-haired giants who lived in the cave, and they were cannibals. And so they would go out, and they would dig holes and put spikes in them, basically what you call a deadfall trap, and trap mainly humans and eat them. So basically the, the Indians would fall into the, the deadfall trap, and then the giants would pull them out of there, and they carried big sacks that also had some spikes inside. They'd throw the person in there, whether the person was dead or halfway dead, take them back up to the old cave there, and uh, have a barbecue. So, of course, that didn't uh, sit too well with the Native Americans, and so what they do, they went to war with these giants. The story is they fought with them for maybe three years until finally they got them all cornered in their cave, siege style. And then they set them on fire somehow and burned them all to death. To this day, when you go to Lovelock Cave, you can still see the inside of the cave is black with ash. Not too long ago, George Knapp went there and did a report that was on the local Las Vegas news. Um, And so... That after that, there were giant remains. Uh, this would have been probably in the 1800s, early 1900s, that um, ended up on the sideshow circuit and uh, in various you know types of traveling shows that were attributed to the Lovelock Cave. And it's my understanding that finally, some of the elders with the Paiute Indian tribe there. They lobbied to to get those remains and then ritualistically dispose of them. So it's unfortunate that that often is the case, apparently, when throughout history you have uh, different types of amazing evidence that just sort of vanishes for one reason or another. But anyway, that said, just one of the weird, quirky things I figured I'd share with you uh, that... I I can talk about, but I will tell you more and more as uh, things progress and we get closer to the TV program being released. Now, since I had very limited connectivity, 
I've not been able to keep up with the news and current events very much. So I was pretty uh, surprised and impressed to see that somebody finally asked President Donald Trump directly what he thinks about the UFO phenomenon and all of these new disclosures and reports that are coming out here, you know. Um, I was I was wanting to see who would be the first person to do that. Turns out it was George Stephanopoulos of ABC News. Now, if you need a reminder on who he is, uh, here's what his Wikipedia says. George Stephanopoulos, he was born in 1961, so he's now 58 years old, is an American television host, political commentator, and former Democratic advisor. He currently is chief anchor and political correspondent on ABC News. Uh, and it says, before his career, he was an advisor to the Democratic Party uh, communications director for the 1992 presidential campaign of Bill Clinton and subsequently became White House communications director. Uh, he was later senior advisor for policy and strategy before departing in December 1996. So keep this in mind, not that it should be relevant. But George Stephanopoulos has always been connected with the the party and the people that now oppose President Trump. You know, Trump beat Hillary Clinton, and George Stephanopoulos was working with Bill Clinton's administration. So um, you can see how th this could almost come across as adversarial if you if you're sensitive about it. I mean, it'd be one thing if like Sean Hannity with Fox News asked this question as opposed to George Stephanopoulos. It makes you wonder if you'd gotten a different answer. I don't know. But what I'm going to do here is play for you the actual audio from ABC News. First, you'll hear the in-studio anchor say, I'm going to, you know, we're going to toss out this clip here, and then you'll hear George Stephanopoulos ask the president, and you'll see how the president responds. So here we go. As we mentioned, George also asked President Trump about reports of UFO sightings, and the president, for the first time, spoke about being briefed on this subject. You and I, we know we disagree about that, but we have a whole day ahead to go on this. Before we go, one of the things you have as president is the access to all the information right. in the world, all the mysteries out there. And I was just struck in the last couple of weeks, we're reading more and more reports of Navy pilots seeing lots and lots of UFOs. Have you been briefed yeah, on that? What do you I make have, of it? I have. I, I think it's probably, uh, I want them to think whatever they think. They do say, I mean, I've, see, I've seen and I've read and I've heard, and I did have one very brief meeting on it, but people are saying they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly. Do you think you'd know if there were evidence of extraterrestrials? Well, I think my great, our great pilots would know. Uh, and some of them really see things that are a little bit different than in the past. So we're going to see. But we'll watch it. You'll be the first to know. All right. So interesting way of addressing that question. Wouldn't you agree? Um, for one thing, look, uh, you heard what he said. He said, you know, that they had, he, they had a briefing. I mean, so that shows you there are a lot of things going on in the world that are very tangible, you know, real practical things that uh, 
the president's day is packed with, okay, whether or not you agree with any president's point of view and job performance and all that, you you have to understand that uh, the person in that role is just being bombarded with very real-world issues every day. So the fact that there was a, a briefing about this, it shows you that it does rise to some level of true global significance. So that's the first thing. Um, Trump did a very, I guess, from a political standpoint, a very good job of handling that question, because I can imagine how that would be one of the most difficult questions to handle if you were in a presidential position. And that's because if there are no UFOs, you, you don't want people to look stupid who say they believe there are UFOs. Um, if there are UFOs, then there may be something, you know, classified about the fact that, you know, we, we don't know what they are and we are learning this and that and maybe we can apply it. We don't want our enemies to have it and all that. And then there's the chance that it's, Honestly, the president just, you know, because presidents come and go, and everybody knows that. No matter how powerful or successful a president is, he gets a limited term, and he's under scrutiny the whole time, and then, you know, you're going to have another guy in there. So it's really the the career military people and intelligence people who would actually be entrusted with most of this. So regardless of the situation, if there are or aren't, or if you are just sort of kept in, you know, in ignorance, um, you have to be very careful with how you answer that. He did a, a very uh, diplomatic, um, he, he used a very diplomatic method of answering that question. And of course, uh, you know, he, he well, it's one of those things where he kind of answered it without answering it. I want them to think whatever they think People are saying they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly. So, and then he says, you know, our great pilots would know, and some of them see things that are a little bit different than in the past. Huh. Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting uh, statement, isn't it? But I tell you what, it's not surprising that at this point a president is not going to come right out and, and address this head on because of all those factors I just pointed out. But here is what is refreshing about this situation. It is refreshing that we collectively as a society have reached the point where a reporter can ask the president directly such a question and the president does not just dismiss it and demean it and blow it off. That shows you alone how far we've gotten. And and we know that all the presidents have been interested in this, you know, going back, well, certainly at least since the time around World War II when Foo Fighters were flying around and, you know, we had the Roswell incident. Everybody since World War II has had an interest in it and tried to get to the bottom of it. Uh, but publicly... When you ask them about it, they, they usually laugh it off much more. I mean, sure, when, when Trump was asked, he gave a little chuckle, a little chuckle at, their, at the beginning. But, uh, but for the most part, uh, 
I mean, he he gave an answer that was respectful of the topic, respectful to the subject matter, more so than I think we've seen in the past from presidents. So this just goes to sort of open this up more and more because one thing I learned about when I was in college and I was taking journalism and mass communications and all that is that you have to understand if you work in the media, if if you work for a newspaper or a TV show or whatever, TV news show, you have to be able to understand the difference between something that's just sort of fluff content and something that's newsworthy. And newsworthiness actually includes, you know, two or three boxes that you have to tick. And one of the things they said is that anything the president of the United States does is always newsworthy. It does not matter what it is. Anything that's – I think that rose – above any other aspect of newsworthiness. And, I mean, this was part of the curriculum in journalism. Anything the president does is automatically newsworthy. So, again, even if you disagree with a president's politics, when a president addresses a topic, the fact that he has addressed it opens up the floodgates to make it appropriate for other people to address it. And in this case, when the president addresses it without just dismissing it, well, then it becomes an even more credible subject. So this is actually a big deal, and it's a very good thing that he has talked about it, and he he did a good job of keeping himself in kind of a neutral, nebulous place, but also making it seem as if this is it's okay to talk about this right it's okay to have this conversation and that's huge that's huge when you look at the the struggle that disclosure proponents have have had for for decades this uphill battle so we should be very happy about this it's a great time well look uh i have so I'm going to jump off here, and I, I will continue to do my best to update you. I think the worst of my limited cell and Wi-Fi is over, so I should be able to leave you podcast on a bit more of a regular basis, and then uh, things should be much more back to normal next month for me as far as my uh, my setup. But I just want to remind you of a few things. Now that it's basically getting the summertime here, it's a beautiful, beautiful time to take a haunted Asheville walking tour, and you know you'll hear about the Brown Mountain Lights, and you'll learn about the Pink Lady and Helen's Bridge and the Will Harris murders and the Battery Park Hotel and the spooks on Church Street and the Battle of Asheville and like all that stuff is included. If you just go to hauntedashville.com, you know we sell out really quickly. So if you go to hauntedashville.com, you can make your reservation. If you're going to be on the other side of the country, because Asheville, of course, is in North Carolina, if you're going to be in Nevada, you must come experience the creepy Vegas ghost and UFO show. Nick Weird, the host, tells me we had just a big blast there this past Saturday. I wish I could have been there, but people came in from all over the place and uh, and loved it. So go to creepyvegas.com, creepyvegas.com. 
to get your ticket to the Creepy Vegas Ghost and UFO Show. 60 fun paranormal minutes in a bar. It's nice and air-conditioned. You can drink whatever you want. You can order a pizza if you want. Um, you'll see ghost holograms, touch haunted objects, see Roswell debris. I mean, it's there's nothing else like it in all of Las Vegas, I promise you. Maybe even in the world. CreepyVegas.com. So, you know, if you want to learn more about the stuff that I do, my personal website is JoshuaPWarren.com. If you go there, you'll find my curiosity shop where I have a variety of interesting things. And you'll find a link to this podcast called Joshua P. Warren Daily. If you just uh, open up the homepage there at JoshuaPWarren.com, you'll see it in the red box there at the top right. Click that link, and you can subscribe through various ways or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren at Joshua P. Warren. And I'll usually tweet when a new one is available because this podcast it's free, it's short, it's independent, it's commercial-free, it's uncensored, and I hope that you will tell all your friends about it. So, that said, until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.